Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. This is a case that has been called the largest murder investigation in Ohio and one of the most expensive investigations in U.S. history. Eight different family members were murdered across four homes all throughout a small town in one night, making national news. Today I'm going to talk about what has later been called the Pike County Massacre, which took place on the night of April 21st, 2016, and lasted until the next morning. Throughout this time, eight people, all members of the Roden family, were shot and killed across four different homes in Pike County, Ohio, about 50 miles from Columbus. Seven of the victims were shot execution style, with some being shot in a more sloppy manner with bullet wounds to other parts of their body as well. The victims lied there for a while until later in the day when a woman named Bobby Jo Manley, the sister of one of the victims, came out to feed some pets at one of the homes on Union Hill Road at roughly 8am. This was when she discovered two of the bodies, those of Roden Sr. and his cousin Gary in his trailer. She frantically called the police, but before the police had even arrived, Bobby had already discovered two more bodies in a second trailer nearby, those of Clarence Frankie Roden and his fiancée, Hannah Gilly, who was likely nursing her baby at the time. She called her brother, James Manley, who then rushed to check on his sister Dana, only to discover yet another murder scene. In this third home, three more bodies were found, those of their sister Dana and her children, Chris Jr. and Hannah Roden. Then, finally, at around 1.30pm, a different 911 call alerted the police to one more victim, Kenneth Roden, at a fourth and final trailer in the nearby village of Piketon, about 15 minutes away. Throughout all four of the homes, only three young kids survived. They were three years old, six months old, and four days old. The four-day-old child was actually found in bed with the mom's body. The four-day-old and the six-month-old were put into child protective services, while the three-year-old was returned to his mother, who luckily wasn't present for any of the shootings. Christopher Roden Jr., age 16, Clarence Frankie Roden, age 20, Gary Roden, age 38, Hannah May Roden, age 19, Hannah Hazel Gilly, age 20, and Kenneth Roden, age 44, had been killed by a shot to the head. Christopher Roden Sr., age 40, was shot in the head but also in the torso and limbs. And finally, Dana Lynn Roden, age 37, was shot in the head and neck. Some of the victims had been bruised as well, indicating more of a struggle. In total, 32 shots had been fired. Investigators started trying to pull the details together while gathering resources, all while the nearby towns were left in shock. The police believed that at least two shooters were probably responsible for the assault, but they had no leads. They believed that the killings were planned, premeditated, and a sophisticated operation, taking note of the effort taken by the killers to cover their tracks and remove any forensic evidence against them. Years went by without the police finding really any substantial leads on the case, and naturally, this means that no arrests were made either. Dana Roden's father, Leonard Manley, said that the families must have known the killers, noting that Dana had two very protective dogs. Given that there was no sign of forced entry and that the dogs don't seem to have attacked anyone, it was likely that the killers were willingly let into the homes. 
As the police investigated, they investigated into leads involving both a marijuana growing operation and a cockfighting ring, saying that they found both an indoor grow house where a whole load of marijuana was being grown, as well as both the chickens and the equipment necessary to breed chickens for cockfighting. At the time, there was no way to know if this was actually related to the killings, but it led to the public speculating as to whether or not a drug cartel may have been involved in some way. Investigators couldn't confirm that this was the case, but they also couldn't really deny it. The families of the victims did confirm that there was some growing going on, but said that it wasn't anywhere near that large in scope. Either way, public imagination kind of went wild on this. As the investigation grew longer and longer, the surviving family members pled to the public, asking for anyone who knew anything about the case to step forward. On August 20th, authorities announced some new information to the investigation, confirming that the killers were familiar with the victims along with their homes and the surrounding areas. They announced that the Department of Homeland Security was now assisting in the investigation and voiced their suspicion that the community knew a lot more than they were letting on. Despite saying that, though, a total of 770 tips had been sent in by the community. Unfortunately, a lot of those tips weren't exactly trustworthy or credible. A lot of them were coming in from self-proclaimed psychics and jail inmates who were less than reputable. About a month and a half later, on October 1st, the investigators noted that they were getting new leads in the case and that the state just about had enough evidence to prosecute. But prosecute who? They still couldn't say, lest jeopardize the investigation. Months later, on May 12, 2017, the Franklin County Sheriff's Office SWAT team raided a home about 10 miles from the site where the murders took place. While people held out hope that they were searching for suspects in the murders, they were actually looking for evidence in the case, not people for the time being. The police also went out and searched a home that was once owned and recently sold by a man named Edward Jake Wagner, who was an ex-boyfriend of one of the victims, Hannah Roden, and the father of their three-year-old daughter, who notably was not present at any of the homes when the murders took place. Then finally, on June 20th of 2017, the Ohio police announced that they were out there looking for some additional information on Jake Wagner, which led them to look into his parents, Billy and Angela, too, as well as his brother, George Wagner IV. They were all living out in Alaska by now, having left town after the murders, and the police were very interested in hearing about some conversations that the family had had with members of the Pike community, mainly talks relating to vehicles, firearms, and ammunition. Nearly two and a half years after the murder took place, there was finally a big break in the case. In November of 2018, four members of Edward Jake Wagner's family were all arrested. The police finally came out with details as to what led them to these arrests. Mainly, they noted that the Wagner family was embroiled in a rough custody dispute involving Hannah and Jake's daughter. The police had taken laptops and phones from the family along with DNA samples before they all moved off to Alaska a short time later. The father was actually in Kentucky, where he was found and arrested while driving a horse trailer. After not too long, two more members of the Wagner family were also arrested. These were Rita Newcomb, Angela's mother, who was arrested on three counts of forgery, one count of obstructing justice, and one count of perjury. They also arrested Frederica Wagner, George III, Billy's mother, on one count of obstructing justice and one count of perjury. According to an indictment, both of them had lied to a grand jury previously. Not only that, but Rita Newcomb had forged a custody document just 19 days before the murders took place after failing to get Hannah to sign over her parental rights to Jake. 
For the next five years, all of the members of the Wagner family went on denying that they had any knowledge whatsoever as to who killed the Roden family or why. But, after a matter of months, the trials began. The first took place on December 2nd in 2019, in which Rita Newcomb pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of obstructing official business in connection with the original investigation into the murders. In exchange for this plea, the prosecutors dropped the forgery, obstruction of justice, and perjury charges against her. From then on, Rita agreed to cooperate with the prosecutors. In June of 2019, the charges against Frederica were dropped entirely. Then, finally, on April 21st of 2021, around the fifth anniversary of the murders, the trial of Edward Jake Wagner was taking place. This was when the public would see a major surprise in the case. Jake himself actually pled guilty to eight counts of aggravated murder, one of felony conspiracy, four counts of aggravated burglary, one of lawful possession of a dangerous ordinance, multiple counts of tampering with evidence, forgery, one of unauthorized use of property, a charge of interception of wire, oral communications, then obstruction of justice, engaging in a pattern of corrupt activity, and unlawful sexual conduct with a minor. God, that was a mouthful. Investigators revealed that they had interviewed some friends and family members of the victims very early on in the investigation, noting that everyone except Jake Wagner had voluntarily turned over their phones. Just three weeks after the attacks, agents first interviewed Jake, noting that during the interview he had already dyed his hair to a different color. It was also revealed that some of the men in the Wagner family had even attended the funerals for the Rodins, with video showing them at Gary Rodin's funeral before they were even suspects. Kendra Roden, Kenneth Roden's daughter, said that Hannah had confided in her about the treatment she had received from Jake. She had not only told me, but played audio recordings of Jake admitting to hitting her, choking her, and pushing her against the wall, she said. Other family members testified that Hannah Roden, along with her family, were scared of the whole Wagner family as they were absolutely obsessed with taking custody of Hannah and Jake's child. Jake's ex-wife, Elizabeth Beth Ann Armour, even testified against the Wagner family. She noted that she had fled her short marriage to Jake out of pure fear. Jake had pled guilty in order to avoid what seemed to be an inevitable death penalty. In exchange for keeping his life, he confessed to everything and pled guilty to all of the charges against him. The judge, Randy Deering, asked Wagner, It is not anticipated that you will ever be released from prison. Do you understand that? Jake replied, I do, your honor, and as expected, he was handed a life sentence. Interestingly enough, this plea included one more deal. Angela, George III, and George IV would all get out of the death penalty as well. But Jake was going to have to testify in all of their trials as well, basically guaranteeing that they would get convicted. So, although they were going to escape the death penalty, they were all as good as screwed now. A few months later, on September 10th of 2021, Angela Wagner pled guilty to conspiracy to commit an aggravated murder, several counts of aggravated burglary, tampering with evidence, and other charges as part of a plea deal. All of the remaining eight counts of aggravated murder against her were dismissed. It was recommended she serve a 30-year prison sentence. As part of her deal, Angela also agreed to testify against the remaining family members, further sealing their fates. Although both Georges, George Billy III and George IV, still maintained that they were innocent in the whole ordeal. A little over a whole year later, on September 12th of 2022, the trial for Jake's brother, George W. Wagner IV, started in Pike County. During opening statements, the prosecutor said that the guns that were used to kill the family were placed in buckets of concrete to be used as boat anchors, eventually having been given to a member of the Wagner family on Father's Day. 
This family member had no idea that the guns were inside the anchors at all. The anchors were cut from a boat, dropping down into a pond. Jake Wagner, after confessing about the anchors, caused investigators to go out and search this pond. There, they found the concrete blocks and broke it away, finding the guns inside. The weapons matched the bullets that were fired at the scenes. With the custody dispute being the clear motive, the prosecutors explained how the Wagner family had planned the killings for months, using guns with silencers that they had made themselves, hopefully in a way to kill the victims quietly as they slept. Jake took the stand during his brother George's trial on the 28th day and spoke for more than six hours. He refused to let media outlets record his words, but in his speech he explained that he worried someone had been touching his daughter. I had decided I had no other choice than to kill Hannah, he said. However, he noted that he wasn't the first one to suggest the idea, saying, My father first mentioned it to me. This was when Jake came up with an idea himself, which was to kill Hannah but make it look like her current boyfriend had done it. According to what Jake said, however, his brother George never actually fired a gun during any of the murders. He was present, but Jake had actually grown frustrated with the fact that his brother wasn't shooting, leading him to take the gun from his hands and do it himself. Angela testified as well, seeing her son for the first time since they were arrested four years prior. Despite seemingly not firing any of the shots, according to Jake at least, not too long after, George IV was found to be guilty on all counts and sentenced to life in prison. The governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, made a statement after the sentencing. George Wagner IV will never live another day outside of prison, a sentence that's another step towards justice for the Rodins, Gillies, and Manleys. I spoke with family members this morning, commending them for their courage and their patience as they waited six-plus years for this day. The Rodin family in the audience were crying and hugging each other after yet another one of the killers was convicted. The cousin of the victims, Tony Rodin Sr., thanked the community for standing by them during the whole ordeal. George III, Billy, is the only member of the Wagners that is yet to receive a trial. However, he's definitely set to go in sooner or later, and Jake and Angela are both set to testify against him. Jake has previously stated that his father had shot three of the victims, Christopher Roden Sr., his cousin Gary Roden, and his older brother Kenneth Roden. George Wagner III, Billy, made his first court appearance in January of 2023. The pre-trial hearing was pretty short and mainly centered around who was going to preside over his trial as the previous judge in the cases was set to retire. George III is all set to receive a similar fate as the other men in his family. His trial date is due to be set by any day now, actually, with many predicting that the date will be set this month sometime, which is February 2023 for those of you watching this later. Jake and Hannah's child, the focal point of the custody dispute, is still currently in the custody of the Scioto County Children's Services. Ohio leaders commented on the trial's outcome, praising the work of criminal investigators. So far, this whole ordeal has costed the taxpayers over $4 million, according to state officials. Once again, this has been your host, Kyle. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast episode. Feel free to look through my huge library of other stories if you found this one interesting, and be sure to be there for the next stories that come out each and every week. Have a good night.